Hello and welcome to the Golf Shake podcast. We're now in February and spring is just about on the horizon. Although cold temperatures and even a dusting of snow in places has plunged us back into the depths of winter. However, many of you now are getting back out onto the golf course and tracking your rounds and scores on Golf Shake, which of course is great to see and we hope that continues in the weeks ahead. My name is Kieran Clark, and on this week's podcast, we have an interview from my colleague Owen Davis looking at the new Spieth 2 shoe from Under Armour, which was just unveiled by the man himself during the Phoenix Open last week at TPC Scottsdale. And we'll also delve into some issues around winter golf and questions for golf clubs and golfers themselves to answer. But firstly, taking a quick look back at some golf news from the weekend. I just mentioned the Phoenix Open there, of course, which was ultimately won in a playoff, a recurring firm, uh, theme this season, uh, by Gary Woodland over Ches Reavy. And it was Gary Woodland's third win on the PGA Tour. And he's a player, to be honest, that you would probably have expected to have won more by now, considering his formidable ability. But it just illustrates how challenging it can be to truly separate yourself from the pack on the circuit these days. And uh, you may be aware that Gary has faced uh, personal tragedy in the past year. So hopefully now he can push on and become a consistent winner, the consistent winner that really his talent uh, certainly uh, allows for. But it was unquestionably a thrilling finale to what is always a a raucous event. Um, And it would be fair to say that the Phoenix Open, particularly the 16th hole, it does divide opinion. Uh, The tournament itself drew a weekly total of over 700,000 spectators. And just for context, that's three times the Open Championship record, with 15,000 of those surrounding the par three on a daily basis. Uh, And that hole has become renowned for the noise and the crowd interaction that the players have with the fans. But now, you know, here's the thing. You know, there is a debate about whether this is good for golf or cheapens it, so on. But I don't really think there's much point in intellectualizing it. Um, you know, the event itself is merely an excuse for thousands of people to drink, party, have a good time. I suppose an equivalent uh, would now be the huge crowds who pack into arenas uh, for professional darts. You know, a fair proportion of them aren't there for the game, but rather just taking advantage of the opportunity to let their hair down. Uh, the Phoenix Open is just the same, uh, and it is an isolated event, an unusual event, a unique thing, uh, and that's probably for the best, uh, as I do think there are probably better ways for the game to market itself. The argument of you need to be drunk to at the very least uh, take a passing interest in golf doesn't seem to be the best thing for the game. However, a lot of people there, and it's uh, certainly a very unique event in its own way, and it is successful at what it goes out to achieve. Uh, and just quickly, and moving on from that, uh, on the European tour, uh, we saw India's Shapankar Sharma, uh, who shot a final round of 62 to win the Maybank Championship in Malaysia. You know, a stunning final round there. And you may not know too much uh, about this young man, who is just 21, but he also won the Joburg Open in South Africa back in December. Clearly a player worth watching who may prove to be an emerging star for golf in India and Asia, which would be a tremendous development uh, for the men's game. He's certainly got a lot of talent and uh, picking up these two wins so early suggests the possibility of even greater things to come. 
Uh, and of course, this week now, moving on to the present day, this week on the PGA Tour is the AT&T Pebble Beach Pro-Am, an event that uh, quite often becomes unwatchable uh, due to the presence of the celebrity amateurs in the field, which the coverage from the States, you know, they seem to constantly fawn over them. We're watching these, you know, D-list celebrities with their rubbish swings and, uh, you know, just embarrassing themselves and playing even worse than we can. And it's not the most entertaining thing, but somehow the coverage in America seems to embrace it. But of course, it's an extraordinarily uh, beautiful place and iconic. Uh, it was actually featured high Pebble Beach in our bucket list courses feature we did last year on the podcast and also on the website. It's a, a remarkable property, breathtakingly beautiful. And uh, Jordan Spieth is a defending champion, uh, but he will face a challenge from world number one Dustin Johnson uh, and Rory McIlroy, who is making his first PGA Tour appearance of the year coming after some encouraging form in the Middle East, where he finished second and third uh, in Abu Dhabi and Dubai. And of course, it's now time for Roy to step up and win again on tour as he builds towards the Masters, and that will certainly be intention. And then who knows, it could even happen this week on the Monterey Peninsula. Uh, but on the European tour, they've gone down under. It's the Handa, uh, ISPS Handa Super 6, uh, and a unique event uh, from the beautiful and quite wonderful uh, Lake Carron up in uh, Australia, a terrific golf course. And this is a, a, a uniquely formatted event where the first 54 holes are standard stroke play with leading 24 players then going forward uh, to play five rounds of match play. With the twist being that the match play rounds are played over just six holes per game. And uh, Brett Rumford defends the title with the likes of Lee Westwood, Danny Willett and the great Andrew Beef Johnston also in the field. So uh, who knows, perhaps an Englishman will triumph in Australia, unlike, of course, the, the cricket team at the recent Ashes. I hate to bring that up, but I had to. Uh, maybe this is time for Danny to show some form uh, after what's been a dismal 18 months in the golf course, really, since he won the Masters two years ago at Augusta. But now... Moving on from the tour and the news, let's bring in that interview uh, recorded by my colleague Owen Davis, uh, looking at the technology and innovation behind the new Speef 2 shoe from Under Armour. Hi guys, Owen Davis here at the PGA Show 2018. I'm joined by Mike from Under Armour and uh, it's a very exciting time for Under Armour right now. Just launched a brand new shoe, so I thought you could tell us a little bit more about it. Yeah, absolutely. So second generation of our Speed model, Speed 2. Yep. Um, we've made a lot of improvements over Speed 1. Um, specifically at the request of Jordan, he, you know, he challenged us to make it lighter in weight, uh, make it more flexible. Uh, he is in his shoes for 8, 10, 12 hours a day, so we've actually added Gore-Tex to this product, um, and it's much more breathable, yep. in addition to it, it being obviously waterproof, very waterproof. Um, the, the weight coming out of the product really came from this proprietary technology called SmartWeave. Uh, SmartWeave has a TPU thread infused in it, so we can, we can still offer the same support, but we can take significant weight out of the product. Uh, Speed 1 was for a size 9, yep. half pair, 16 and a half ounces. Yep. This is 2 ounces lighter than that, so a little less than 14 ounces. Pretty big deal, yeah. I mean, the first thing, uh, I thought Speed 1 was a fantastic shoe, incredibly stable. But, but it was heavy, so it's great that, that you, you've taken that weight out. I think exactly. that's a big difference. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The, the other thing I, I think you'll notice when you have this on your foot is that 
the forefoot incredibly more flexible than where we were. And that comes from just a different insole board material and construction. So I think we hit on what Jordan had asked us to do. The, the, we took out weight, made it more comfortable, made it more flexible in the forefoot. Um, but you definitely, you don't lose any of the traction that we had with rotational resistance traction in Speed 1. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that, that is still the main story around the shoe is the transaction. I mean, how um, how does that compare to, to your, you know, testing in the market in general? How, did, how does transactional spikes work and, and, how, and the rotational uh, stuff you get out of that? How yeah. does it work exactly? Yeah, um, I, I, th I think the biggest advantage that we have as a brand is that we're offering the golfer traction to support the golf swing. We have traction elements on the outsole to support traction to walk the course, yeah. but because of our rotational resistance traction that supports not only when you load up, but also when you come back through impact and prevent the foot from slipping during the golf swing, that's our biggest competitive yeah. advantage. Yeah. So. I mean, I'm, Under Armour are known for innovation and, and that, that is really applied, that philosophy is really applied to the shoe, isn't it? Absolutely. It's something that you, you've done a lot of testing with and you know that almost came first, did it, in the shoe second? It did, yeah, yeah. I mean, we worked with Jordan on what his needs were, but a lot of better players. Yeah. Um, uh, this Obviously, this rotational resistance traction is, is, is in um, the Speed 2 product, but it also goes across our entire range. Men's, women's, juniors, um, we have it in both a spike and a spikeless version as well. Right. And on Jordan, how uh, passionate is he about this shoe. I mean, how much time does he spend with you guys in in developing it and moving it on year after year? Yeah, no, very involved. Yeah. Uh, we meet with him this, on this past year. We met with him three or four times. Yeah. We show him the initial sketch, uh, a, a rough prototype. Uh, we make it in his size so he can wear it at home and give us feedback. Yeah. Um, and then before we confirm the product, we meet with him again. So. Fantastic. His likes and dislikes are definitely uh, incorporated in, in the shoe, yeah, for Fantastic. sure. Yeah. Okay, Mike, thank you for that. Appreciate your time. And that was Owen speaking with Mike from Under Armour there at the PGA Merchandise Show recently, looking at the new Spieth 2 shoe. And, of course, if you need to buy a new shoe this year for the, the new golf season coming up, then you know, maybe this is the one there. Certainly the information there, it does sound an improvement on the previous shoe and a real upgrade there and perhaps a, a high-quality product that uh, might be of interest to you there uh, but however moving on from that and uh, and nowhere now in february uh, as i said earlier your winter golf is still very much in vogue uh, but you know we were thinking of the challenges and the questions that golf in the winter time presents to both clubs uh, golf clubs and golfers um your know, winter is a challenging period uh, for golf clubs as you look to maintain a balance between retaining your satisfactory revenues and ensuring that the course is of an acceptable standard for the peak summer season. And expectations from members and visiting golfers have certainly changed over time in the game. And it's a question of for all parties to reflect upon deeply as golf looks to adapt itself to modern demands. Of course, for many people, uh, due to the poorer weather, and significantly reduced daylight hours, the opportunity and, and desire, really, to play between the months of November and February is greatly diminished. This is particularly true in the north of England and western Scotland, where the, you know, it tends to be a, a little bit foul, the weather at times. Um, however, 
for those looking to maximize the value of, you know, quite often expensive membership subscriptions, the golf season doesn't really end, uh, even competitively. And there is a demand uh, from those golfers that these clubs satisfy, you know, have to satisfy. And what are, you know, it's a precarious battle uh, to retain members and attract new players to the golf club. And we've seen golf courses, you know, really in the end, because if you buy a 12 month membership, you're only playing for six months, you're, you spent six months that you aren't going to be using. So that is a question for the game to answer. And uh, courses have introduced winter memberships or month-to-month subscriptions, offering good value golf and a layout that hasn't been reduced to winter greens or the shorter yardages that you get at this time of year. Fairway mats are quite often the nadir for many golfers, something they want to avoid. And frequent closures in winter are, of course, a frustration. Uh, while seeking golf clubs maintain or remain widely open is uh, certainly appealing to many players over the winter months and actually the golf shake survey uh, of last year found that 48 uh, percent of, of, mem- of golfers were nomadic players uh, without a permanent home suggesting that there was both a concern and possible opportunity uh, for golf clubs looking to build up memberships and though evidently still a factor is the fair weather golfer still as prevalent as in past generations? If you look at the weather charts, most winters in the 1990s and into the 2000s throughout England were warmer and wetter than, pre- than the previous seasonal averages, with frost and low temperatures recorded less frequently than in prior decades. And this has opened the door for courses to remain open uh, more frequently in the low season. But then there's a pressure on them to deliver a year-long standard matches expectations and for greenkeepers looking to ensure that the golf course is at its best in the summertime the peak season the challenge is maintaining and conditioning the golf course with increased traffic uh, during those problematic months of winter but softer conditions on inland courses you know, face a significant damage from trolleys you know, we saw that we got a picture sent into us at the weekend there and there was astonishing damage to the fairways of the golf course from, from trolleys that you wouldn't believe you know, tire marks everywhere and uh, raised can e- these questions for us to answer and of course you have seaside links courses with their firm and you know naturally draining turf they have long been considered ideal for winter golf but parkland courses need to try and alter that percep- perception if they are to bring in the required revenue during the dark the dark season and the question for golf clubs and golfers is would they sacrifice golf in the winter to ensure that their course was at its best during the peak months between April and October. But for those wanting to play all 12 months of the year, there is only one answer, and golf clubs looking to deliver that for them are under pressure to meet the demands of their members. But though it raises potential issues, as I've just touched on there, there is also an opportunity for golf clubs to provide a year-long service that others in the local area perhaps don't. And month-to-month subscriptions could be a wider option that appeals to more people. So this is a question for you. Do you regularly play winter golf? And if you do, how do you value the balance between playing a full course in the cold winter months and having the best condition possible on the golf course in the peak season of the summer? You know, let us know what you think. You know, Twitter, Facebook, the comments, forums, you know, the outlets are there get involved in the, in the discussion. It's certainly there are some questions there for golf clubs and golfers themselves to look at. And uh, 
it's an interesting topic for uh, for the game to consider right now, particularly when we have a uh, colder weather this week and uh, some snow in places too. So it's uh, it's worth thinking about as you think about your golf course getting towards spring and summer. And you, if you're playing regularly in the in the summer and the winter time, just how good is it going to be when you get towards summer? Or does it not really matter to you? For you, the most important thing is getting out there all months of the year, getting the most out of your membership and playing regularly, playing medal rounds potentially in the winter. You're playing a full golf course, keeping your game intact and just keep going. So it's a, it is an interesting discussion and, uh, and one worth having. So thank you once again for listening to this week's Golf Chic podcast. And, uh, and don't forget, if you're battling the cold and you're out there playing... Do track your rounds and stats on the Golf Shake score tracker. And of course, as I said earlier, you'll get involved with the Golf Shake community on those aforementioned channels. There's a wide community there of like-minded golfers who want to go out there and just enjoy themselves and play. You know, you can be part of that and you can get in touch with some yeah, fun people online and uh, sort of share your experiences of, of playing this great game and uh, your your mutual interest you have there. You know, social media particularly, when used properly, can be a wonderful outlet for just for meeting like-minded folk and, and sharing an interest. And uh, you'll be interested to see how many people are out there to, to connect, connect with you on the golf shit community. Uh, however, moving on and in the end, that's probably us for the week. And my name is uh, Kieran Clark. And until next time, as always in Golf Shake, we want you to play more and play better. Thank you.